We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Joined as always by my right-hand man, Hal Bent, to full press coverage. Hope you all had a very Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and Happy Kwanzaa. Well, we have just two weeks left to go in this 2022 NFL regular season. And as of now, nine of 14 playoff spots have been claimed, but the seeding is still far from a certainty. And the races for the final wildcard playoff spots in both conferences are tighter than I've personally ever seen. And I have a feeling we may be in for a surprise playoff team or two as soon as week 17 and 18 play out. What do you think, Hal? Oh, I hope so, David. I certainly do. I am looking for chaos, chaotic races coming down to a wild finish, starters playing, games going on at the same time, red zone channel exploding. I want madness for this finish these last two weeks. Everything's gearing up towards it. This could be the great Paul Tagliabuse dream season of parody across the nfl <laughs> and it's all coming together my fingers are crossed i can't wait to see what happens oh neither can i it should be a very entertaining final two weeks of this regular season to say the least but before we uh preview what's to come in week 17 let's recap what we just saw in week 16 starting with the biggest lesson learned Oh, I mean, biggest lesson learned. Boy, some of these teams, it's uh, not easy to find a good quarterback and have good quarterback play this late in the season in the NFL. Uh, you know, if you're one of the lucky ones, uh, you know, with a Patrick Mahomes or uh, dare I say Geno Smith, you're sitting pretty these days. Uh, but if you don't have a Joe Burrow, a Dak Prescott, a Josh Allen or or a Trevor Lawrence, there is some ugly quarterback play. You can start with Zach Wilson, uh, Davis Mills, Malik Willis. <laughs> cover your ears, David. I'm going to say Russell Wilson. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't need to cover my ears. I, 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 I it. It's the biggest mistake in modern NFL history, that trade. <laughs> I've accepted it. I'm uh, moving on into the future. <laughs> you know, poor Trace McSorley thrown out there. Derek Carr was terrible. Uh, Taylor Heineke headed to the bench. Uh, Nick Foles trotted out there. It's a nightmare scenario at quarterback. So uh, once again, we're looking into an off season where so many teams, what are they going to do? Oh my God. I almost forgot. Andy Dalton is still playing quarterback in the NFL in new Orleans. Please make it stop. So, Oh, lesson learned. We need more quarterbacks. Come on college, send them our way, please. Uh, that is a, a proverbial lesson we learn year after year, but it rings true each year. So a uh, good point there. Hell, the biggest uh, lesson I took away from week 16 was that right now, there's no clear-cut Super Bowl favorite in either conference, not just the AFC, in either conference. The AFC, it's still like a uh, tight three-team race uh, between the Bills, uh, Bengals, and Chiefs, although the uh, Chargers or a wildcard team could, uh, or the Jaguars even could surprise. Um, but the NFC, just look at the Eagles now. They lost to the Cowboys. Jalen Hurts is still not 100% with that shoulder, and they lost another key player to injury, which we'll get to in a moment. And the way the Eagles looked against the Cowboys uh, last week, it wasn't just uh, the downgraded quarterback from Hurts to Minshew. Minshew actually played quite solid um, for what it's worth. Uh, their defense has issues. Uh, the Eagles aren't the runaway favorites in the NFC we thought they'd be. Uh, it's not just the Cowboys. The 49ers continue to show that they're going to be a thorn in Anybody's side could play off tight because their roster is just too strong to collapse despite um, um, below average quarterback play. Uh, the Vikings are as gritty as hell. They just know how to win the close games to their credit. And it, it's a tighter race than expected in the NFC. So right now, looking at both conferences, I see no clear-cut favorite 
for a winner in either conference. And that's what makes this uh, playoff situation extra beautiful to watch, dare I say. And for go to the week, I am going with Rain Dakota Prescott. Dak Prescott, that was easily one of the best games he's ever played in his entire career. It may not be um, stats-wise, but how he came through in such a key pressure moment. It was third and 30. Third down, 30 yards to go. Cowboys down seven. They're flickering hopes for the NFC East Division title on the line. Yet he completes a beautiful long bomb down the field that T.Y. Hilton, who had only been in the building for just over a week, that just subs up how special Dak Prescott is. And uh, I think that might have been the most memorable play he's made in his career thus far. Uh, just to make that play in the ultimate pressure situation with the deck, uh, deck stacked against you, uh, it, it, it just uh, it just stole the week for me. It really did. So Dak Prescott, my go to the week. Hard to argue with that one. That was, as you said, a transcendence performance by Dak and, and one everybody's been waiting to see all year. Um, my go to the week, I, I got to give it to an entire unit. Kansas City Chiefs defense against Seattle. I mean, just a fantastic performance picking up the team with, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes having a tough game, uh, only thrown for less than 250 yards, the running game not being going for Kansas City. You know, this is one of those games you traditionally would see the Chiefs lose where they're not clicking on offense. And instead, the defense stepped up, had a huge stop right before halftime to hold Seattle to a field goal to keep them from getting into that game right there. Didn't give up anything again until a garbage touchdown at the end of the game. Three three and outs, five forced punts, three stops on fourth down, 18 combined uh, tackles by Nick Bolton. I mean, just a fantastic performance by that defense. Uh, and, you know, a top 10 offense and a defense that's starting to look like that. Well, we might have a clear favorite in the AFC, David. We just might. Oh, we might, especially if that Chiefs defense can build upon uh, that performance uh, in these final uh, two weeks of play. But it might be rather easy for them to do so, given their <laughs> opponents. Opponents, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, good point about the Chiefs there. And what about your dunce of the week for Week 16, Hal? Oh, you know, there were just too many to choose from this time. You know, I mean, you look at Tennessee with a huge loss and you go, who's the idiot there that didn't bring in a backup quarterback other than an unprepared? Oh, wait a minute. John Robinson's already fired. I can't throw him under the bus again. Can I? No. You know? uh, so so he's off the hook. Do I want to go Jim Ursay again, watching that horrible Colts team underperforming with Jeff Saturday? torpedoing any chance of, you know, being a head coach, huge tactical blunder or say, if you were going to spring a Saturday on us, you should have just hired him this off season instead of letting him flop all over the place. So, I mean, just too many different, uh, choices <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> That's just, I, I, I couldn't, you know, uh, I'll take it, you know, I'll take it away from the players, you know, any mistakes on the field, you know, Ramon Day Stevenson fumbling and a minute left inside the 10. Um, no, we'll, we'll split the dunce this way. The mess in Tennessee, the mess in Indianapolis, the mess in Denver. Yeah, you all get to share my dunce of the week. Oh, interesting. But to reflect a comment I made just a couple minutes ago, I've given my Dunce of the Week award to Russell Wilson. Oh. Russell Wilson, I have never seen a quarterback fall as far from grace as he has this season. He is not fixable. The Broncos say he is, but deep down in their hearts, they know he is not. <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, talk about that in just a little bit. But Russell Wilson. It's not just his poor play on the field. It's his ego that constantly rubs people the wrong way. 
Why does this guy still have his own parking spaces, his own office, and his own training staff allowed to come into the building? Denver Broncos, in order to take somewhat of a step forward next season, you're going to have to revoke those privileges away from Russell Wilson and teach him that he is not above the team. Because if he wants to salvage his legacy as an NFL quarterback in any way, shape, or form in 2023, he has to roll with the bigger program. That's all there is to it. So, Russell Wilson, you are my dunce of the week for week number 16. And speaking of Russell Wilson and the Broncos, that takes us into our next topic. After their 51-14 to Christmas Day loss to the Rams that included a heated confrontation on the sidelines and Randy Gregory throwing a punch during postgame handshakes that should have got him suspended for a week, but for some reason uh, the NFL's appeals officers agree with him and turned it down to just a fine. The Broncos decided to pull the plug on the Nathaniel Hackett experiment before his first season as an NFL head coach even ended. And in a move that you anticipated weeks ago, Hal, new Broncos owner and CEO Greg Penner said he will be leading the head coaching search as opposed to general manager George Payton. And in addition, at yesterday's press conference, George Payton, who usually comes across as confident and disciplined, seemed very flinched. And I mean, very, very, very flinched. Do you get the feeling that the Walton Penner ownership group will give the new Broncos head coach even more power than general manager George Payton, essentially making the latter expendable as early as after the draft? Definitely, David. That's exactly what it looks like is going on here. I think you've read this situation perfectly. Um, you know, not going to mess up that draft preparation. It's too important for the team. But essentially, once the draft is over, Payton is out and that's the way it's got to be he's made too many mistakes um and again walter the walton penner uh families have no connection to peyton he was sitting in the driver's seat when they got in the when they purchased the car and it's just a matter of time until he's tossed out on the street and i think you've read it perfectly after the draft peyton um you know whether he gets shuffled off into some uh you know made up title or something that you know executive vice president of emptying the waste baskets <laughs> in the executive office whatever they give him you know uh yeah he's not going to be making any decisions anytime soon yes and especially considering the fact that the broncos are the least desirable uh, head coaching destination right now in the national football league the walton family wants to open uh up the job to somebody who craves money and power. And that's probably why a certain head coach at the University of Michigan is getting some buzz as a hot candidate for the Broncos. <laughs> exactly. No doubt about that. And, uh, you know, uh, every day that price goes higher and higher for him, I think. And I think he's quite well aware of that. <laughs> He most certainly is. It's going to be fascinating to see how that head coaching search ends up in Denver. And from the Broncos to a team on the fringe of the playoffs, but not quite there yet, the New York Jets. Jay Glazer reported on Sunday that the Zach Wilson era is all but over for the Jets and that we should expect Gang Green to be one of the biggest players in what should be another active quarterback market this spring. While many are connecting the dots to Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr, there is an even better option that could very well be possible given the circumstances surrounding his contract and him being part of an organization that general manager Joe Douglas got his start in. Of course, that organization is the Baltimore Ravens, and that quarterback is Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is going to be leaving Baltimore after this season because the Ravens have a lot of leverage with the franchise tag. But should the Jets at least offer the Ravens three first-round picks and one of their star young players like uh, Quinn and Williams, for instance, for Lamar Jackson? That's that's a big price, but man, as we've seen, you know, you've got to take chances to take that next step. And the Jets have patiently built that fantastic young defense there. They've got a number of uh, centerpiece parts there on that defense. 
they're building that offense. They've got explosive young players on offense as well. I mean, when you're that close, when you're one player at one position away, I mean, arguably, if you look at the Jets right now and say, you know, if they had drafted Justin Fields in retrospect. Or Trevor would, Lawrence and not screwed up yeah, those games. Oh, God, not screwed up those games. But even at sitting at two, Trevor, you know, and took Justin yeah. Fields, who I'm sure you and I both were very high on. And of course, not yeah. Added an Either of them eyelash over him going at number two overall. Yeah, Zach um, Wilson's an epic bust. You know, I mean, we knew that at the draft. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> But if uh, Justin Fields at quarterback, 11, 12 wins, where would the Jets be sitting right now? You know, the quarterback play has killed this team. And as much as I love, uh, you know, Mike F. and White, I, you know, he's injury prone. He's, you know, they gave he's up a on him last year. He's a bridge. He's a, exactly. Exactly. He's a nice story. But yeah, I mean, if you've got the chance... Why not? If you can get somebody like Lamar, who's a difference maker at quarterback, um, to to put him in this offense, uh, to think about this Jets team with, you know, Brees Hall coming back and um, those wide receivers, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. I mean, oh, that's just, a, you know, the speed on the field would just be beautiful to behold. You've got to roll the dice. You've got to take a chance. It's the most important position on offense, probably the most important position in the NFL as quarterback. So why not be bold? The Jets should definitely explore that option without a doubt. I couldn't agree more, Hal. Uh, the Jets have to think big and bold when it comes to their next move at quarterback. They should swing for the fences to try to get Lamar Jackson out of Baltimore and just nearly settle for Garoppolo or Carr if that doesn't work. But Lamar Jackson should absolutely be their first option. And move into the NFC leading Eagles, who last week didn't just lose to the Cowboys. They lost another crucial, and I mean crucial, player to injury. All-pro right tackle Lane Johnson suffered a torn adductor muscle in his abdomen, which will need surgery after the season. He will play through the injury in the playoffs, but will miss the remainder of the regular season. How important is Lane Johnson to the Eagles? Just check out these eye-opening numbers, courtesy of Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Over the course of Lane Johnson's career, Philly is 72-44-1 in the games he's played, and 12-20. and in the games he doesn't play. How much danger are the Eagles' chances of getting the NFC's top seed in? Well, I mean, they're in danger. And and look, losing Lane Johnson to injury is huge for them. No doubt about it. But I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say, you know, Dillard, Driscoll, they've got some good players behind him at tackle. They can survive a couple of games, especially if Johnson, you know, is going to try to gut this out and get back on the field at some point this season. Um, he's not, you know, you're going to have to cut a limb off to get him off of there. For me, the concern with the Eagles from watching the Dallas game, the injury that I think is the most important is Avante Maddox, their great slot cornerback who's been playing out of his mind. They don't have anybody behind him ready to step in there on defense. And we saw that with Dallas uh, immediately Dak Prescott started going right to, um, you know, where Maddox was targeting them immediately. And, you know, Josiah Scott, Josh Joby, they can't handle the slot, you know, CJ Gardner Johnson, if he's back from injured reserve, um, you know, could probably play in the slot, but he's not going to be at that uh, level that Avante Maddox was. That defensive play is what concerned me against Dallas. I think they can cobble together the, the offensive line um, and hold off without Johnson for a couple of weeks. But defense, boy, they're going to have to prove it to me that they can do something without Avante Maddox out there. Yes, and uh, they have a pretty favorable matchup in Andy Dalton Saints coming up. But uh, if they cannot stop Andy Dalton, then I will really 
really be alarmed. And now it's time to play our favorite game on this program, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this game works, Hal. I make a statement, and Hal, your job is to let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start with the Chargers. The Chargers clinched a playoff berth for the first time of hopefully many times in the Justin Herbert era last week against the Colts. But I'm not sure it'll be enough to save Brandon Staley's job. As Adam Schefter reported over the weekend, Sean Payton is eager to get back to coaching in 2023, that he's already assembled an all-star coaching staff that includes Vic Faggio as defensive coordinator. And the Chargers are probably the top team on Sean Payton's list. And if Sean Payton wants that job, I'm not sure the Chargers can afford to keep Brandon Staley. So truth or exaggeration, making the playoffs will not be enough to save Brandon Staley's job because Sean Payton wants to return to coaching in 2023. Oh, you know, it should be a truth, but come on. We're talking about the Chargers here. You know, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to charger it up and keep Brandon Staley. They're going to pass on Sean Payton. Why would they do that? What? Because they're the Chargers. The Chargers have to charger. Dean Spanos, he's going to find a way to screw it up somehow. And he's going to say, oh, Brandon Staley, you made the playoffs. We love you. We're going to keep you. And they'll pay the price for it next year and the year after and the year after because they're the Chargers. I have a feeling you're going to be wrong there, Hal, because Justin Herbert this season has one of the lowest yards per pass attempt in the entire NFL. That is inexcusable. The Chargers have to fire that, that, that offensive coordinator, Joe Labardi, at the very least. And if you cannot get a significant upgrade from Joe Lombardi, just bring in Sean Payton and have him bring in his staff. That's all there is to it. The Chargers, you have an all-star quarterback in Justin Herbert. You have to start winning now. You're probably not going to make it to the Super Bowl this year, but in order to catch the Chiefs, I think you need to invest in Sean Payton as your head coach. I just do. That's all there is to it. I don't think they have another choice, to be frank with you. And speaking of coaches... We mentioned Jim Harbaugh as a potential candidate for that Broncos head coaching job because the Wolves are going to offer him all the money and power possible. But truth or exaggeration, Jim Harbaugh will remain at Michigan for the 2023 season. I think it's a truth. I wouldn't take that Broncos job with Russell Wilson there at quarterback if I was him. No way, no how. Uh, keep bringing in those prospects, open up that transfer portal, reload in Michigan, keep piling up those W's and find yourself a better place to land or just wait out Denver until Russell Wilson's gone, whatever works. But yeah, uh, that's a strong truth. I think Harbaugh is back in Michigan. Definitely. I just cannot imagine Jim Harbaugh taking a head coaching job where a four to five year roster teardown and rebuild is literally staring at you in the face. Uh, along with the, the dead money that's going to come from releasing Russell Wilson after 2023. Just uh, just way too much to handle. Just cannot imagine him uh, saying yes, no matter how much money or power the Walton family uh, gives him. And back to the Jets. The Jets, uh, maybe seven and eight, but Mike F. and White is coming back this week. And they have a 91% chance to make the playoffs if they win out. And they have the Seahawks on the road this week. And then the Dolphins, who are probably going to be without Tua on the road. And if they win those two games, all they need is one loss by the Patriots, who have Buffalo in Week 18, or the Chargers to lose out. But I think that's a, a pipe dream. But still, I love the Jets' chances to get in the playoffs. So truth or exaggeration, the Jets will make the playoffs. Oh, exaggeration. Ugh. Coming off four straight losses, two road games, one all the way across the country, uh, headed out to Seattle. Um, I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, Lumen feels hard enough to play in. Um, 
and with Seattle fighting to get in the playoffs as well, and Miami, um, you know, especially if Miami loses to New England without two of this week, they're going to be going all out uh, in that final game as well. I think it's just they stack too many losses there after that hot start, and the Jets are going to going to go with an exaggeration and say close, but no cigar for the Jets. And in a rather surprising twist of fate, given how this season has gone for the most part, the Green Bay Packers remain alive and well in the playoff hunt. They're currently at seven and eight, and they have the Vikings and Lions at home to close out the season. And if they win out and the Giants lose out or the Commanders lose one of their two remaining games against the Browns or against the Cowboys, the Packers get in the playoffs. That might not be insurmountable as many think. So truth or exaggeration, the Packers will make the playoffs. It all sounds plausible, but, you know, got to get past Minnesota. You know, I don't know if there's enough Lambo magic. There's no concussed tour out there throwing passes in the fourth quarter. There's no um, beat up Rams team out there, overwhelmed Bears on that schedule anymore. I just don't see Green Bay uh, winning out and putting themselves in that position this year. So I've got to go with an exaggeration. Yeah, it is still kind of hard to see the Packers uh, getting in the playoffs, especially with what the Giants and Commanders have remaining on their schedule. And the AFC South is tied atop the division with the Jaguars currently owning the tiebreaker. Both the Jaguars and Titans enter Week 17 at 7-8, and eight, but no matter what they do this week, the AFC South will not be decided until they play each other in week 18 and whoever wins that game wins the division. So truth or exaggeration with the AFC South crown, not to be decided until week 18, both the Jaguars and Titans should rest their starters this week. Um, Exaggeration. Tennessee doesn't have anybody uh, not on injured reserve to rest. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have a choice in the matter. They got to play everybody. Um, But especially the Jaguars. No, you want to cat. You've got a three game winning streak. You've won four out of five. You want to carry that momentum into week 18. This is a young unproven team. You can't take your foot off the pedal at all so especially jacksonville yes you've got to keep it going full speed ahead tennessee if you know um if if you want to say hey um give derrick henry a break and make sure he's as, as full strength as he can get i can see that logic but um, you're not doing your quarterback any favors if you're gonna have malik willis with no Derrick Henry back there running around next week. That's going to be a nightmare scenario. You're just going to put him at more risk. And I have no idea who's the third string quarterback there in Tennessee right now that would step in for Willis. So um, yeah, Tennessee, you don't want to get yourself in an ugly situation. So for both teams, keep the momentum going forward, try to get a W and go into that game uh, with some momentum on your side. And it was just reported that Derrick Henry is listed as doubtful for tonight's game against the Cowboys at Nissan Stadium. So looks like the Titans are resting some of their key guys, but the Jaguars are going full speed ahead, as you said. So Doug Peterson agrees with you right there, Hal, and uh, to a degree, Mike Vrabel agrees with you as well. So good call. And when you look at this uh, 2022 NFL MVP race, I see four legit MVP candidates, all quarterbacks. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow indeed have made a solid case for MVP. So truth or exaggeration, the 2022 NFL MVP will be the quarterback of the team that clinches the AFC's number one playoff seed. I'm going to have to go a little bit of an exaggeration there. Uh, 
you know, Buffalo is going to have the tiebreaker over Kansas City. I think Buffalo is going to be the number one seed, but I still think Patrick Mahomes, uh, for the work he did without Tyreek Hill, uh, with these wide receivers coming in, um, MVS and Juju, uh, you know, Darius Tony. You've got to give him that little extra boost as the MVP because he's gone above and beyond and elevated his game and his team. And Josh Allen definitely deserves to be in the conversation, but um, has not been as dominant as he has appeared in the past. So I got to give that edge to Mahomes and say, yes, the Bills are going to be the number one seed, but Mahomes will be the MVP. I actually agree with you about Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was my MVP at the halfway point for the same reason, and he is still my MVP right now. And it's going to take a miracle for those other guys to convince me otherwise these final two weeks. And speaking of quarterbacks, let's go to the Dolphins, where Tua Tungavoiloa suffered yet another concussion this season. And it happened on a relatively routine play, which shows, as a Robert Griffin III said on ESPN, that the trauma is just adding up for him. So, truth or exaggeration, even though it will very possibly, if not likely, cost them a playoff spot, the Dolphins must put Tua Tungavoiloa on ice for the remainder of the season. They should. They must, I say. But will they? This franchise... I don't think so. They haven't put his well-being at the forefront at all. And let's face it, you know, uh, this team, Stephen Ross, come on. He didn't care about his last head coach. He was, uh, you know, out there on the yacht entertaining Tom Brady. He doesn't care about tour at all. Um, so, yes, they should. Yes, they, you know, the logical thing would be to do so. But the dolphin thing, they don't care. They'll throw him back out there if need be. Long-term effects to his health, they don't care. They're trying to get that playoff game. Um, should, yes. Will, no. <laughs> well, let me take this a step further. Benjamin Albright, um, NFL insider from 850 KOA Radio in Denver, said today, that there is a possibility Tua might retire as he will seek medical opinions after the season on whether or not he should continue playing. So truth or exaggeration, Tua should very seriously consider retiring. Definitely, definitely, definitely. He should consider it. He should seek out independent medical analysis. Your health, we've seen it over the last, you know, a uh, few decades with the focus on the concussions and the retired players and what they've gone through suffering post-concussion syndrome, without a doubt, there's too much risk. If he's in any way compromised in his health, his health has to come first and foremost to him. So yes, truth, he should be considering that if that's the recommendation of the doctors he's able to um, deal with in this off season and not the Dolphins doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the Dolphins doctors for darn sure. Definitely agree with you there. And last but not least for truth or exaggeration for this week, the Bengals are the most balanced team of the AFC's top Super Bowl contenders. Truth or exaggeration? I want to say it's a truth because without a doubt, Cincinnati is right there on the cusp of that balance with that great offense and the defense stepping up. But man, I worry about that secondary. Um, you know, if you had a healthy Chidobe Awuzie, I would say yes. But without him there, I just look at that secondary and go, it's just not going to hold up in the playoffs when they go up against the big guns in Buffalo or Kansas City. Uh, just not enough balance there. I'm sorry, Cincinnati. I want to say yes, but I got to go with an exaggeration there. And speaking of the Bengals, in a gift from the football gods, 
They host the Buffalo Bills in the final Monday night football mm. game of the regular season. I cannot believe Joe Buck and Troy Aitman could be happier than they are right now to be calling this game. What do you say, Hal? Oh, my God. A gift from the football gods, indeed. All those horrible Monday night games we suffered through. We finally get a great one this week. I cannot wait. It is going to be fantastic. The best against the best. Oh, I love it. And a game with enormous implications for final playoff seedings in the AFC. I cannot stress that enough. And when you look at the Bills, what do you think is more crucial for them to win this all-important game? The pass rush minus Von Miller or the running game? You know, I'm going to have to go with the pass rush only because, you know, I'm sorry, Buffalo nobody's running the ball against Cincinnati lately. Come on, let's face it. They got those big guys in the middle right now. Um, you know, you got a DJ reader, BJ Hill, you got Logan Wilson cleaning things up. You're not running the ball. You don't even bother, you know, let Josh Allen do his usual, get all your rushing yards and attack that weekend secondary. So uh, for Buffalo, yeah, don't even think about running. Get after Joe Burrow, disrupt that Cincinnati passing game. That's what I'm going to go with as most important. You definitely have a point, but I will say this. Look for Lou Anarumo to do what he did to Patrick Mahomes in that AFC championship game, to use countless rush three, drop eight looks against Josh Allen to try to take the passing game away first. I think the Bengals are going to dare the Bills to run the ball. Oh, I, I think any time Buffalo runs the football is a win for the Cincinnati defense. You take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands in a big game, that's a W. You want Buffalo running the ball if you're Cincinnati. Drop eight, definitely, and uh, dare Buffalo to put together 10 play drives running the ball eight or nine times. Oh, they would love that to happen. While the Bills may be missing Von Miller in that pass rush, the Bengals just suffered a very brutal injury along their offensive line as right tackle Lyle Collins suffered a season-ending torn ACL and MCL against the Patriots last weekend. What is the biggest adjustment the Bengals need to make on offense in order to compensate for that season-ending injury to Lyle Collins? I mean, th that is a killer. I mean, Collins, not the greatest uh, tackle in the league, but he's very consistent and he's got those long arms. He can force every pass rusher to the outside. Joe Burrow knew if there was pressure coming from the right side, he knew exactly where it was coming from every time with Collins there. He's not going to have that option uh, now with Collins out. I think the big adjustment that they have to make is that the tight end is going to go from receiving option to pass blocking option. And so Hayden Hurst, you're going to be staying in and chipping on or helping out on that right side. Um, sorry to say, take a weapon away from the passing game, uh, but do what it needs to be done to keep Joe Burrow upright. Yes, and it's important to know that Hakeem Adeniji will be the guy taking the place of Lyle Collins at right tackle, and he struggled big time uh, last season. He did an admirable job against the Patriots last week, but uh, some stiff tests still await. And now let's break down some of the key matchups that are going to decide this ever so important game on Monday night in Cincinnati. And we start on the boundary where LSU on LSU crime, Jamar Chase against Tredavious White, who's looked very good these past several weeks, actually. Yeah, I mean, White had a lot of rust when he came back, and it was kind of a little scary. Uh, you were thinking, is he going to get back into stride here? But he certainly has uh, back up to full strength, back to his comfort level, and back to being that um, shutdown corner that the Bills' defense needs, uh, like you said, especially with Vaughn Miller not on that pass rush right now. And Tredavious White, is back to his old self pretty much. But who else do the Bills have in that secondary not named Jordan Poyer who they need to step up big time in this game? 
How about underrated nickel corner Taron Johnson, Johnson going up yeah. against Tyler Boyd? Because Tredavious White and Jordan Poyer, I think Poyer is going to help White um, take away Jamar Chase. So Taron Johnson against Tyler Boyd is a matchup that I'll be watching very closely in this game. Yeah, because if if you can control Boyd and take away those that first down underneath across the middle of the field where he works, uh, you know, you can get that Bengals offense off the field sometimes. And um, making that adjustment is going to be huge for Buffalo. They've got to stop Cincinnati from driving down, making this a high-scoring game. They've got to make it. Uh, their defense wants to get this into a little lower scoring um, dogfight there between the two teams for sure. And let's uh, switch sides of the field with the Bills offense against the Bengals defense, and it starts up front for me. That Bills interior offensive line has been very suspect all season long, especially in pass protection with a guy like Roger Saffold, who I think uh, should have retired after last year. He he looks washed, dare I say. And he has to go against those two big Buddhas that you bet you did, uh, DJ Reader and BJ Hill. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge advantage for Cincinnati. And and, and we know DJ Reader great against the run, but also, oh, penetrating, pushing that pocket. He's a force there in the middle and if Cincinnati's going to disrupt um you know Buffalo at all in that passing game you got to have that pressure up the middle you know especially if uh you know you're looking at that edge rushing with Sam Hubbard injured as well for Cincinnati that's a big loss there you don't have him flying off the edge uh, opposite Hendrickson there so Absolutely. And you mentioned that for the Bills running game, they're probably going to look to Josh Allen to be their featured runner for most of this game. And that is why the matchup between him and the single caller for the Bengals defense, the on-field single caller, that is Logan Wilson, is one of match because I think Lou Anarumo is going to want Logan Wilson to constantly drop back and spy Josh Allen. Exactly. And it's so important. We see all the time with, with the, the spies there. Um, you know, it's not just enough to have a spy back there. You've got to have a spy that's got the speed and the instincts to follow that quarterback and get to the edge and take that away from him uh, to make that to stick him in the middle of the field and make that tackle and the rest of the game make him think about sliding a little earlier than he wants to. Uh, and that's how you disrupt those running quarterbacks. And for Cincinnati, that's a lot of pressure on Logan Wilson right there. But he's certainly one of those players who should be up for that and make a great matchup there with him spying on Allen. And who do you think comes away with the victory on Monday night? Do the Bills get one win closer to that number one seed in the AFC, or do the Bengals spoil it? You know, I mean, flip a coin on this one. I, <laughs> It's a great matchup. Both teams are hot, riding winning streaks here. Um, look, I've been leaning on the Bills all year long. Um, you know, they've lost three games by a total of eight points this season so i mean find me a team that's playing better than buffalo consistently this season there isn't one i've got the bills as my number one seed i figure you know as usual josh allen's gonna make some kind of play stefan Diggs, improbable um it'll happen i just can't pick against the bills right now i'll say they take it somehow over cincinnati uh, let's give them a last-minute field goal and say 30-28 to 28 on a riveting Monday night football. You know how much I love Josh Allen. I love how he's proven all of us wrong by becoming the all-pro that he is. But I fear that this is the game where the Bills sorely miss Von Miller. Joe Burrow, even without Lyle Collins, uh, at right tackle, he is going to be able to get rid of that ball super quick with that quick mind and elite vision of his and carve this Bills defense up without Von Miller. It's going to be a close, high-scoring game, but I just 
don't think anybody in the AFC is playing better than the Bengals are right now. I like the Bengals 34 to 31 over the Bills. And now let's pick the rest of these Week 17 games starting tonight in Nashville, Music City, where the Titans, who are resting Derrick Henry to keep it fresh for next week's uh, division decided game against the Jaguars. Uh, they face a Cowboys team that still has a lot to play for. They're still very much alive in that division. And uh, the Cowboys, uh, they are going to be uh, playing to keep those hopes alive. I like the Cowboys in this game, and it's not going to be close. Cowboys 27, Titans 7. Oh, that close? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Titans don't have a chance here. I, I don't see Malik Willis, especially if they're going to be resting Derrick Henry, uh, doing anything to put any points on the board. And slowing down Dallas, not going to happen. Dallas 38. Tennessee six. The red hot first place Jaguars travel to Houston to take on a Texans team that beat the Jaguars early in the season. And as good as the Texans looked last week, these are not the same Jaguars. They're going to want to keep that momentum going. As you said earlier in the show, and they are, I like the Jaguars. I do too. I think it's a pretty easy win. They got a little revenge on their mind. They're hot. They're playing well. They've got the division to play for. And for Houston, hey, you know, perfect storm for them. They are able to go get a big win last week uh, against Tennessee. So big confidence builder for the team and still hold on to that number one spot in the draft. So um, I think that's a win-win for Houston, but definitely a loss this week. I'll say the Jaguars, another blowout game, uh, 30 to 10 over Houston with revenge on Trevor Lawrence's mind. I completely agree. And the New York football giants win and they're in. It's as simple as that this Sunday as they take on the clown show Indianapolis Colts. And oh my God, Nick Foles, why are you starting here? <laughs> Nick Foles is even more washed than Russell Wilson is. That's all there is to it. Not a chance. The Colts are just going to embarrass themselves even more this weekend in uh, New Jersey. Uh, Gus Bradley and that defense might make the game respectable for a little bit, but in the end, uh, Daniel Jones and Brian Dayball and Saquon Barkley and that offense do enough to put the game away in the fourth quarter. Giants 23, Colts 10. And by the way, I do not think the Colts are that much more desirable of a head coaching destination than the Broncos are because oh. I do not know what the hell Jim Ursay is thinking. I would not want to work for Jim Ursay, an owner with those, let's call it nice, uh, mood swings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree 100%. Um, would not, I don't see that as a desirable situation. I don't know how he's going to uh, bring back Je Jeff Saturday, but I'm sure he's going to try. I hope there's people there who can talk him out of it for the good of the franchise. But yeah, Indianapolis, uh, this has got a coronation celebration for the Giants written all over it at home, dancing throughout the fourth quarter of an easy 34 to 10 blowout win of the Colts. And just like the Giants, it is simple for the Eagles win and they clinch the NFC East and the number one playoff seed in the NFC and they host the New Orleans Saints this weekend. Granted, they're going to be without Lane Johnson, probably without Avante Maddox. And I wouldn't bet on Jalen Hurts playing in this game either. No. They say he has a chance, but I just don't think it's wise for the Eagles to trot out Jalen Hurts. As hurting as the Eagles are right now, I think they find a way to get it done against the Saints. Eagles 24, Saints 21. How do they do it? Stay tuned for bold predictions. I like the way you're thinking, David. I think, uh, you know, in this situation, you got to look at who's at quarterback and who has the advantage. Gardner Minshew versus Andy Dalton. Huge advantage, Philadelphia. So uh, <laughs> with that kind of advantage, I've got them doubling up New Orleans 24 to 12. In a game that could very well determine who wins 
the NFC South. If the Bucs win, they win the NFC South. If the Panthers win, all the Panthers need to do is win again in Week 18, and they win the NFC South. Tom Brady is the GOAT, don't get me wrong. But this Bucks team just doesn't make me confident at all. Oh, my goodness. To just put up 19 points against an Arizona Cardinals defense that has nobody outside of J.J. Watt. Oh, my God. This Bucks offense is easily the most embarrassing offense in the NFL this year outside of Denver. That's all there is to it. And I just do not want to bet against Steve Wilkes. The Panthers <laughs> players love him. Steve Wilkes loves his players back. They they work hard for one another, and the Panthers are going to do their darndest to make sure that he is the one that comes away with a full-time head coaching job once this season's over. And I think they do it by beating the Bucs again. I like the Panthers. David, I've, I've been saying it all year. How many wins to win the, uh, <laughs> the South there in the NFC? Seven wins. Tampa's there. Carolina's one away. I don't have Tampa getting to eight. No way, no how. Give it to Carolina, 24 to 20 over the box. I like the way you're thinking there. And the Falcons, uh, who have been eliminated from playoff contention, host the Cardinals. And this is one of the most unwatchable games of the weekend, believe me. But I'm going to go with the Cardinals because they have Colt McCoy back, and Colt McCoy is the better quarterback than Desmond Ritter. And it's going to be an ugly, relatively low-scoring game, but I'm going with the Cardinals, let's say, 17-9. to You know what, David? I'm going to go 100% simpatico on that. Agree on the quarterback. (laughs) I'll even take your score. Arizona 17, Atlanta 9. The less we talk about this game, the better. Yeah. The Lions coming off a potentially costly loss at Carolina where the Panthers just ran the daylight out of that football against the Lions. They host Justin Fields and the Bears. Granted, I think Dan Campbell and the Lions do bounce back and win, but I do think the Bears cover the spread. I like the Lions. Yeah, I mean, Lions should win this game. I don't know if they're quite at that level. And, you know, in the division, I always say something strange can go on. Um, Justin Fields on that fast track in Detroit. I got to give the edge to the Bears. I think they'll pull it out somehow. Put them 24 to 22 over the Lions. Your Patriots desperately trying to keep their playoff hopes alive at 7 and 8. Host the eight and seven Miami Dolphins, who will be starting Teddy Bridgewater most likely at quarterback. Uh, the Dolphins' offense, this offense just isn't the same without Tua. It just isn't. And I think uh, Matt Judon and Josh Uche and Christian Barmore and that defensive front will be uh, on Teddy Bridgewater's tail all day long and make his life miserable. I like the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't like the Patriots after the closeouts of the last two games, but um, boy, I'll tell you, yeah, you said it. Miami is a different offense without Tua there, and they're going to put a lot of pressure on that defense to hold down the Patriots. And really, if you look at the Dolphins and Tua, the probably worst game they played on offense was week one against the Patriots, where, um, you know, they only scored one touchdown. And that was kind of a fluke as well with the defenders collided and fell down. So um, I'm on the edge of my seat to see how the Patriots blow it for a third week in a row. But somehow I guess um, I've got to go against my uh, instinct here and say, they'll find a way in an ugly defensive battle, 13 to 12 over Miami. The commanders, they have lost two straight games, but still control their playoff destiny win out. And they are in the playoffs. And they host the recently eliminated six and nine Cleveland Browns. And Carson Wentz, they're going back to Carson Wentz instead of Taylor Heineke, a quarterback. I am not sure about this decision, Hal. What do you no, think? I am not sure. I don't think going back to Carson Wentz is 
ever a good idea here. Um, you know, can I twist my mind around it and, you know, say, well, you know, yeah, you gotta, I mean, look at lost to a good giants team that they had played right before the bye to a tie, um, losing to Purdy in the 49ers. You're not going to, you know, that's not on Heineke. He wasn't giving up 37 points like that defense was. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I, I look at that and I say it's a little bit of a desperation move and, uh, you know, trying to wrap their heads around possibly bringing Wentz back, maybe, you know, get a strong showing in the last two games. I don't know. I see it as a backfiring plan, knocking themselves out of the playoffs. And, you know, four interceptions later, Cleveland pulls out the 20 to 10 win over the commanders. So that's simpatico alert, Hal. I was leaning towards the commanders this morning, but after uh, hearing that they're going back to Carson Wentz, a quarterback, and uh, you you talked me out of picking the commanders in this game. <laughs> I just do not trust Carson Wentz against a, a Browns pass rush. That includes Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney. I, I, I just think he's going to wilt under pressure, and the commanders are going to lose a big one that will prove absolutely costly to their playoff hopes. I like the Browns 20 to 17 and the Kansas city chiefs hosting the Denver Broncos in the first game of the post Nathaniel Hackett era Broncos uh, have their eyes set on next season. They've uh, they've mailed it in the chiefs have everything to play for uh, to, to remain alive in the hunt for the AFC's number one seed. It's going to be a bloodbath on uh, Sunday at Arrowhead chiefs, 37 Broncos 13. Well, you've got it closer than I do, David. Yeah. <laughs> Denver love that defense, but man, they uh, had enough. And uh, you know, I just don't see um, them slowing down Kansas city and what is, you know, a get right game for Patrick Mahomes. I've got it. Kansas city, 44 Denver six. I wouldn't be surprised either. That's not too far away from my, prediction though it's going to be a bloodbath either way the Raiders today announced that Derek Carr will not play the final two games of the Raiders season they are going with Jared Stidham down the stretch and they play the red hot 49ers who just might be the NFC's best team right now and that is not hyperbole uh, Jared Stidham against the 49ers defense epic mismatch 49ers in a drubbing, let's say 27 to six. Yeah, I sound that simpatico alert. I've got a blowout here as well. Uh, we got a lot of those this week. Jeez. Um, San Francisco 31, Vegas 10. But hey, they're going to keep that $40 million for when they dump Derek Carr because we know the reason he's start not playing is not because they want to see Jared Stidham or think he has a better chance of winning, but that if Carr doesn't get hurt, that money's only guaranteed for injury. So no chance of seeing him on the field these last two games. Um, they're saving $40 million bucks this way, but it doesn't help the product on the field, unfortunately. Um, it does not, but the Raiders just may upgrade at quarterback with a guy whose name rhymes with Ron Shady. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what a lot of buzz around the league suggests, that Tom Brady will play his final NFL season with Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. It's just a rumor now, but just keep your eyes and ears open on that situation, folks. That's all there is to it as the Derek Carr era comes to an end for the Raiders and Mike White and the Jets travel to Seattle to take on Geno Smith of the Seahawks. Two, seven, and eight teams desperately fighting to keep their remaining playoff chances alive. I actually like the Jets in this game. No offense to Geno and the year he's had because the Seahawks defense has just completely fallen apart uh, these past uh, several weeks. And that Jets defense is going to be able to force a mistake or two from Gino that proved to be the difference in this game. I like the Jets 24 to 21. Oh, I believe in Gino. I believe in Gino. I believe in Gino. The Jets may have, you know, fewest passing touchdowns allowed, but 
Gino's going to get it done. How you got to wait for my bold prediction on that one, but Seattle 35, New York 34. The Vikings travel to Green Bay to face the Packers. The Vikings still have their hopes alive of being the number one playoff seed in the NFC, and the Packers are fighting to keep their remaining playoff hopes alive. The Vikings are what 11 and 0 in one score games. <laughs> yes. As admirable as that is, I think they have to lose one one score game before the playoffs. It'll help them tremendously for the playoffs. It really will. Give me the Packers in this game 23 to 20. Uh, you know, I, I can't pick against the Vikings. I made that prediction two weeks ago. Minnesota will win out the last four games of the season and then lose a one-score game in the first round of the playoffs. I'm still holding on to that. So make it 12-0 and for Minnesota in one-score games. Minnesota 24, Green Bay 22. The joy of knocking the Packers out of the playoffs is just too strong for the Vikings to take their foot off the gas. That is a very good point indeed, Hal. And the Battle of Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium on Sunday as the Rams take on the Chargers. The Chargers, people are going to say, oh, they already clinched the playoff spot. They're not going to win the division. They have nothing left to play for. I completely disagree. I think the Chargers still have plenty to play for, and I think they do so on Sunday with another win over the Rams. I agree as well. I think, you know, again, it's a situation where they've got to keep their foot on the gas. Uh, Brendan Staley, you don't want to lose any more games anyways, uh, because you've got to keep this team in the right direction. So Chargers take it an easy one, 25 to 10 over the Rams. And last but not least, on Sunday night in Baltimore, the Ravens, who clinched a playoff berth last week, still fighting to keep their hopes of winning the AFC North alive against Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, who aren't dead yet. Uh, they're not only not dead in the playoff race, they still have a shot to preserve Mike Tomlin's streak, <laughs> career-long streak of winning seasons. And... I'm not going to bet against Mike Tomlin. I think the Steelers find a way to get it done against the Ravens on the road Sunday night. The Steelers come away with the win, and they move to 8-8, eight and eight, and they're going to be 9-8, and eight, playoffs or not, at season's end. Oh, knock the Steelers out of the playoffs. Give Mike Tomlin his first losing season. You don't think John Harbaugh is going to be motivated for this game? This time, it's personal. They're take. They're not letting their foot off the gas. They're not letting Pittsburgh off. Oh no, no, no! Harbaugh is going to be celebrating like it's the Super Bowl when it's twenty-four to ten, Ravens over the Steelers. And now it's time for our Week Seventeen Bowl predictions. You go first here, Hal. I teased up that Geno Smith revenge game. Jets number one defense against the uh, fewest passing touchdowns allowed in the league. Well, that number is getting eaten into because Geno's throwing not one, not two, not three, not four, but five touchdown passes against this Jets defense, including a bomb to win the game to, no, not DK Metcalf, Laquan Treadwell, baby! First round, oh. former first round pick, Laquan Treadwell. Yes, he's still in the league. He's with Seattle. He's on the roster. Big game for Treadwell. Yes, my man, Mike Effing White's going to throw 400 yards and four touchdowns, and the Jets are still going to lose, unfortunately, because it's all about Geno. Oh, I like it. My bold prediction is this the Eagles clinched the NFC East title and the number one playoff seed in the NFC by beating the Saints 24 to 21. And how does this score come to be? It's a game with only field goals as the <laughs> Eagles kick eight field goals to the Saints, seven field goals. And that's how the <laughs> Eagles beat the Saints. That is my bold prediction for week 17. And last but not least, as always, we conclude with our challenge flags. And my challenge flag goes to the Carolina Panthers. And it's simple. Dethrone the Bucks. This is Tom Brady's final season in Tampa at the very least, and you have an opportunity to take it all away from him before he even leaves. You love Steve Wilkes, and he loves you. You 
want him to get that full-time head coaching job, clinch that job for him, and your lightning playoff berth by dethroning the Bucks this week by playing your style of football. Run the snout out of that football. Beat the living crud out of the Bucks at the line of scrimmage. Go do it, Panthers. You can do it. That's my challenge flag. I like that challenge, David, and I love that spicy, bold prediction of the field goal games. <laughs> Let me tell you that. My challenge flag, I'm going to all those fringe playoff teams. You still got a chance. I want as much chaos next week as possible. I want meaningful games in week 18, as many teams in the race as possible. So Jets, Patriots, Steelers, Raiders, Giants, Commanders, Lions, Packers, Panthers, Saints, Seahawks, all of you leave it all out on the field this week. I want the chaos next week. I want the meaningful games. My challenge is to all of you to make that happen. He is Hal Bet, ladies and gentlemen, a full press coverage. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBet01. Hal, thank you so much once again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back next week to recap week 17, preview week 18, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 as well as on Instagram and now TikTok at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with AK. For Hal Bet, this is David Cromwell, and as always, choose love, choose kindness, choose compassion, choose selflessness, and choose empathy, which are some of the core characteristics of the best teammates and teams. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool, and a happy and healthy 2023 to all. <laughs>